Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel, and we hope you enjoy the content. So thank you all for joining us today. I think we have a really interesting panel on exits broadly, but specifically when exits don't kind of live up to their potential, uh, what are the kind of pitfalls when things don't go according to plan, um, and how can founders protect themselves and really plan for you know, unforeseen circumstances as they come to... Um, as they come to exit. So um, I'd love for the panel to introduce themselves, starting with Ali. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks, Khalid, for the, uh, for the introduction. Uh, my name is uh, Ali Halabi. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Vault Lines. We're a Turkey-based, um, with some operations here in the UAE and in the UK, uh, mobility uh, platform uh, that we do corporate mobility, mostly shared mobility. Um, last year, we were acquired by Swivel, which is a Dubai-based uh, mobility company. And uh, a month ago, we reacquired Vault Lines back from Swivel. Uh, so we'll walk you through the, you know, the story and uh, how it uh, played out. Awesome. I'm Tamer. I'm a general partner at VentureSook. Uh, so we're an investor. Um, and I guess our relevance is that we have found ourselves in the role of uh, driving um, M&A processes, uh, acquisitions or sale processes for the companies that, that we've been involved in. So, um, so I got some perspective there. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Halif, for having us. Uh, my name is Ziad. I'm Spotty's co-founder. Spotty is a buy now, pay later that we launched uh, in April 2020. Uh, expanded out across the GCC before we were fully acquired by Zip, which is an Australian publicly traded company in October 2021, um, yeah. Awesome, so, <clears throat> so you know, like exits are, you know, the end goal of every entrepreneurial journey. I and mean, that's kind of like, you know, half of the point of building a great company. Um, but things sometimes take a turn in the direction that, you know, is, is not expected. But I think before we get to that, it's worth maybe talking about the emotional change that the founder goes through when you get acquired from running your own business to becoming part of a, a larger business, assuming the exit is a trade sale, not a kind of like an IPO. Presumably that's like a large shift in approach, mentality. Like how do you guys think about it for both uh, aliens yet? So how, how's it been for you guys? Um, I mean, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting one to say the least, uh, but it is, it is uh, a roller coaster, I would say. Um, takes uh, takes a while to understand what's going on. Um, you know, I'm probably gonna make a fool out of myself right now. But I found myself two months into the exit, googling something called. Uh, I, I just came to Google and wrote "post exit depression." Mm -hmm. Didn't have Chat GPT back then. Mm -hmm. um, and to my surprise, there was a lot of content around uh, post exit depression it's a thing and i found myself going down the rabbit hole of reddit uh, threads on the topic but one thing um, stood out as like yes this is how i feel and it was uh, an entrepreneur wrote uh, he said it's like moving back in with your parents hmm. right so you know suddenly you're living by somebody else's rules and uh, you know suddenly you have a boss and uh, uh, it's humbling 
Yeah. For sure. Um, but it teaches you a lot, a lot of things. And one of the things I, uh, I learned during this process, and I thank it to one of my uh, mentors and one of my investors, uh, Basim Muftah, I think he's going to be on stage today. He, he told me that, you know, most entrepreneurs fall for the, you know, the, the mistake of really getting connected and becoming one with their startup. Uh, like I'm pretty sure I'm saved on a lot of phone number, like a, a lot of phones. My phone number is saved as uh, as Ali Volt lines. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure on my phone, it's Ali Volt probably line. yes, <laughs> definitely not I'm Ali sure. Halabi. But uh, yeah, but but you're not one with a startup. Like yeah. the startup is an asset. You built that asset at one day. Yeah, uh, and you would be surprised how soon that day might come. But one day this asset gets acquired by someone else or you might step down, somebody else will take care of it and you still have vested interest sure. in that as asset. So it's an asset and you have to disconnect yourself uh, from it. So it was... Uh, Has that been your experience? Yeah, yeah no, similar. You know, you know what's interesting is there's this juxtaposition of emotions that you're going through, right? So on the one hand, you've, you've kind of, you know, you've made it, you've you know, you've accomplished yeah. the dream. You've got the exit, right? Like, it's yeah. like you're all over the media. People are congratulating you. Like, you know, there's this, this, this sort of this onslaught of joy and positivity. You know, on the other hand, you are privately very much dealing with exactly, I would say, I, I very much do agree with Ali's uh, sentiment. You're very much dealing with those, those, those uh, emotions, right? Like, you, you, you know, we became entrepreneurs because of the fact that we didn't want to work necessarily for anybody else. Suddenly, you're kind of like, wait, I've spent, you know, X number of years working on this by myself, only yeah. answering to myself. And now, kind of back where I started, yeah. almost feels like, you know, you're, you're regressing in certain yeah. ways. Back to being an employee. You're almost. back to being an employee. Yeah. It's just like, why am I filling out these forms, you know? And yeah. then like, and, and then the, the whole, when you start getting the manuals and like you're reading through all these mm -hmm. pages and pages of, now I have to answer to this committee. Now I have to deal with this chain of command, yeah. you know, you go from basically you being like, let's just get this done. Master of your own destiny to, to a quarterly report. Yeah, to like, you're just like, now you're just like, well, I got to write a memo, yeah, you know, yeah. I need to buy a, you know, coffee machine. I need to write a memo, right? Like yeah. it's just like, it's, so there's, it's, it's interesting because there is this juxtaposition. Yeah. It's, it's, it's thrilling. And at the same time, you're also, and you know, from the outside, it, it looks great, but at the same time, you're dealing with, some some very private emotions which may not be so can, positive. Can I challenge? Sure. I'm not going to challenge your experience, but but I want to challenge the notion that, that it's, it's being characterized as a binary. Like at one point, I controlled my own destiny, and, the, and then the next moment, I was an employee. And I and I would challenge and say it's probably more of a spectrum. Meaning, I yeah. am a general partner of my company. I am not like I'm. There's a spectrum of autonomy to you know yeah. being under strict instruction all the time and you and it's just you just shift a little bit more. but i i got people i got to answer to i got to answer to my partners i got to answer to my investors yeah. Yeah. i got a lot of people i got to kiss the ass and answer. your employees i mean in a way and, and, and so, employees, yeah. so it's just like i would doubt i mean maybe i'm wrong fully but agree. fully yeah, agree yeah but the yeah. thing is like it's just it's, a different uh, mindset no? yeah so shift, that's right, that, that spectrum saying. i would call it a pendulum maybe okay uh, because you're 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 like locked into the side of you know you're calling the shots so you do still answer to your employees yeah. uh, and you answer to your shareholders and to your board, right? So yeah. even if you're the founder, you do answer. Uh, I, I call founders glorified employees. I think that's what we are. We are yeah. <laughs> glorified employees. I mean, it's a different form of employment, right? Because yeah. you are answering to 
a board, shareholders, right. and your team and your co-founders, right? Like, so it's just a different, rather than a line manager. Yeah, you know, which is, but then that pendulum swings, right? right? And yeah. this is where you, this is where you, like, yeah. while you're swinging, you're like, holy shit, I'm moving back with my parents. But then it swings back and you understand, yeah. no, actually, I do have, like, very high-level contribution in this company and I can drive the, uh, you know, uh, decision making or et cetera, et cetera, yeah. in the in the in the new mother company, right? Uh, but for me, that pendulum swung all the way back right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of what I was saying, right? There's this juxtaposition. There's massive amounts of positivity, and then sometimes you're you feel like you're on the other side of things. It's certainly not binary. It's certainly not like you're going in and you're suddenly like, oh, I'm a, I'm an employee again. Yeah. It's like every other part of the startup journey, right? Like some days you feel like you're on top of the world. Some days you yeah. just don't want to get out of bed. You know, it, yeah, it's got like, it, yeah. you, 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 you just, it's such a big change. It's hard not to experience extreme emotions. The yeah. reality is always going to be somewhere in the middle, but you will experience both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Also, but, there are some positives, sorry to cross you, but yeah. uh, there are some positives. I mean, the relief. Oh yeah, the relief. Of That's massive. Like paying back all of your investors, mm. right? They're giving them multiples. Um, not worrying about the runway. Not salaries. Salaries. That's a big one. <laughs> Such a relief. You become a, like in my case, I became a GM. I had very specific targets. I was running for these targets. And it yeah. was such a relief. Like there are yeah. some, I call it a corporate spa. My, hmm. uh, you know, the, the <laughs> last eight months, it was a corporate spa. Came back yeah. refreshed with uh, younger skin and all of that. So. But, but By the way, I just saved your name under my phone as Vault Lines customer service, not even Ali. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So you, you use it in Istanbul? Like I do on your own? Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I do that. I do uh, that. I think like just bring it back to this idea of like exits going wrong. And I think Ali, you've had like a lot of experience uh, with that, which I want to get to in a second, kind of go through as much as you could, you're able to share because you can appreciate, you know, Swivel's a public company and there's all kinds of confidentiality arrangements. Yeah. But before we get to that, I'm going to put Tamir on the spot because I enjoy putting Tamir on the spot and see him once a year so I get to do this. Bring it. Um, Swivel, IPO or SPAC, like, you know, the SPAC was about $1.5 billion. I think last, you know, celebrated this massive exit. Today, the market cap's, I think, $11 million or $10 million or something like that. Um, was that a huge mistake to take a company like that public? Was that a huge error? Yeah, I think it was. I, th I mean, I think you look at where it sits now, and you could say, yeah, that was a mistake. So I think, but is like, it a function of the market, or was it uh, the company should never have gone public? Yeah, it's like, okay, so what are we talking about with exits, right? To be, you know, sort of like real tangible, you have you have five things in my estimation. You have a domestic buyer of a domestic company of a, of a start of a regional startup like yeah. a la volt lines great that's a that's a real success story you have an international buyer acquirer of of, of one of our company one of our regional companies you have secondaries and secondaries are becoming a lot more popular investors who want to cost average down so they buy yeah. in secondary from other investors you have listing on international markets and you have listing on domestic or regional markets we've seen all five of those so we have examples of of those happening and, and, and it's really a great thing for, for yeah. investors in the space and for companies that there's now multiple options that they can pursue. And I, I think if you look at the last like 18 months, there is a clear, although our data set is small, there's like a clear, there's a clear observation, which is that the company that went to a foreign 
market, no matter how liquid that market is, and had to build awareness of who they are and what they're doing and the markets that they're in. There's just a huge educational... Uh, but, uh, but is it just a function of demand for the stock? Demand for the stock. Or, or you know, companies... I mean, just to kind of drill down this idea that... And not to beat up too much on civil, like I'm a big fan of like what they've done, but yeah. was it just not ready in the sense that it was extremely premature to take a business like that public given like their size, their, I mean, the numbers are public, obviously. So given their size, their you know, unit economics, like where they are in terms of maturity of a business. I mean, companies need to, I mean, my view, and you guys like, you know, agree, you know, disagree. But it's like, it's like, there's a principle. That, into that exit, no? Like yeah. you can't, like it's, being a public company is a big deal. Like the, the you know, what you can and can't do is a big yeah. issue. Yeah. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know. But but what I think that Jack so so what's the counterexample? What's a regional listing that just knocked it out of the park and like beyond Jahiz, anyone's yeah. expectation? Jazz Jazz is unbelievable how well. They and I think today is still one of the most valuable um, kind of food delivery businesses on the planet. I yeah, think. on a yeah, per yeah. whatever basis. Yeah, yeah, but that so. A lot of awareness. People knew who they were, and and it's like the principle of escape velocity. A lot of the companies are are, are like built on this escape velocity. Fetcher was built on this. Man, yeah. if we can just get over the the critical mass, then we made it. Like we we can, you know. So, Jahiz, but, what I, the the limb I'm going to go out is Jahiz and Swivel. If I were to go back in time, at the time that they listed, was one of them fundamentally more sound and ready than the other one? I doubt I, it. I, I disagree with you because I. Jahiz has extremely like positive unit economics. Business overall is positive, size-wise, just in terms of like you know the most kind of simplest metric, right? Like just the top line. It was a sizable business, like it was in, you know in hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so I think there is something there, but that, not to kind of go too deep down into that. Um, Ali, do you want to tell us a little bit about how what went wrong with your exit and how you had to kind of unwind? Whatever you can share. We can uh, yeah, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it. I mean, the exit uh, happened in April. We signed the SP. Actually, we shook hands with uh, with uh, with the swivel in March, right? Last year, uh, we shook hands in March 25th in Abu Dhabi. First, we had the first meeting here on the 23rd. 25th, we had the second meeting in Abu Dhabi. We shook hands. Uh, April 24th, we signed the SPA. May 25th, we did the closing. So the deal closed, right? Yeah. Uh, now it did have some conditions and some deferrals, but really the the the, the key payday was on uh, November 25th. Uh, and during this period, the the share price obviously we were acquired for shares and uh, and, uh, and and cash, and um, we were acquired for a 40 million dollar deal plus a 25 million dollar resource commitment. So it was a 65 million dollar deal. All of all this, this is, is in, public, right? Public all of domain, this is, yeah. uh, is public. Uh, but the, the problem was really the, the share price uh, of Swivel and the market cap of Swivel dipping below the market cap of Vault Lines. Uh, and during this period, uh, we were acquired in, uh, like, say, April, yeah. when the SBA was signed. Uh, by November, by December of the close of the year, Vault Lines as a business in Turkey has doubled in revenue. I'm talking, again, dollar basis, right? Uh, because, you know, Turkish Lira always pops up, but in dollar basis, we doubled in revenue. We uh, turned profitable on contribution margin on EBITDA. While this was going on. While, yeah. So, like, Vault Lines was really soaring, right? 
And uh, I mostly uh, credit that to the fact that I was not fundraising anymore. You're just focused on the business. Just focused on the business, uh, yeah. really. Uh, uh, we finished all of our liabilities. Like we, we own $3.5 million of worth of assets. We own 44 buses and their licenses, etc. We operate 400 buses, 44 of which we own. Uh, fully paid. Uh, it's a very healthy company. So you look yeah. at the asset, you sold it for 40 million. Like worst case scenario, it's worth 50 million now. Yeah. Let's not double it. It's let's say uh, worth uh, 50 million. But uh, you know, uh, the share price of Swivel uh, dipped the company value below Vault Lines and it made the acquisition extremely difficult yeah. for, for Swivel to, to follow through with. Yeah. And uh, you know, I. I hold Swivel with very high regard, by the way. Yeah. Like I can do like some comments on uh, what went wrong. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I think we all do. I think that just to be yeah. clear, that fantastic. We don't no, 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 nothing. Uh, fantastic team. The yeah. CFO. It's just the kind of mechanism, like the exit itself. Yeah, is problem, yeah. But the company has a lot of promise. Yeah. So I, I feel like Swivel doesn't get enough credit on yeah. what they achieved. Uh, what they've achieved is a fantastic uh, thing. Like in five yeah. years to get listed on Nasdaq, they really. It's a story. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's story. an amazing story, uh, but uh, you know, SPACs come with this heavy weight, yeah, right? Yeah. Like there's this sentiment, uh, and you know, the party was getting over. Like the Fed was raising rates. Yeah, the yeah. The, the party was over basically in the markets. So uh, the timing was was but, a bit off. And Swivel is a B2C company. It started as a B2C company, right, which yeah. is notorious for subsidies. It's it's an expensive uh, proposition. Yeah. Proposition. Whereas Vault Lines, uh, Zillow in the UK, B2B. Urban, like all the six companies that they acquired are all B2B. So it was part, this, this shopping spree that they yeah. were on was part of a very sane strategy of pivoting from B2C to B2B, which proved in the pandemic to be a lot more resilient. Yeah. It kept bringing in cash. Uh, like we, we survived the pandemic in a time where people were working from home like we take people to the office yeah. and people were working from home so we survived that and in 2022 it was soaring so it was the right strategy yeah. just the timing was off uh like like you said yeah you know, but you you were lucky in the sense that you know you you turned profitably focused on the business etc it's very easy to imagine that you know once you sign the yeah to, to paper, say to yeah. say like you know i'm i'm, I'm done in, i'm in the money you know like yeah that yeah and or operate as if the acquisition is about to be consummated, as in like you you don't you know you you kind of follow a growth plan, etc. And you could easily run out of cash and be like, oh, there's no acquisition. And what that's do what I do happened now? to uh, to some of the other companies that were acquired yeah. by Swivel. They they ran yeah. out of cash and they had to to shut down. Door to door was announced recently yeah. via pool in Argentina. Uh, in uh, so how do you protect besides the obvious of always run your business like there's no acquisition? What's the how can you protect yourself against that? And it's a kind of open question. To yeah, the, I don't to think that the, the, the whole concept that just because of the fact that you got cashed out, you're just yeah. you're done. I, I mean, for most for most of us, we got into this because of the fact that we believed in the idea. We believed in the business yeah. and we yeah. were building it prior to there being an acquirer. Right. So yeah. and even after an acquisition, it's not necessarily the acquirer who is aware of the employees, their stories, yeah. your customers, your brand, your day to day. Right. It's you. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it's it's. It's very easy to sort of say, hey, I got the money, I'm out. It's very difficult to actually execute because Absolutely. as cliched as it sounds, uh, your company is your baby. Yeah. It really is. It's yeah. like it's, You're it's, solely responsible for your company, acquisition solely, or, or Yeah, not. acquisition yeah. or not. And then, you know, even post-acquisition, there's never going to be an yeah. acquisition whereby somebody's going to acquire 
a company and not have some kind of some kind of terms in it where there needs to be a certain level of performance yeah. Yeah. for you're not you're not riding into the sunset you're not riding into the sunset yeah still going yeah you're very much so yeah. you know with with us it was it was you know at the end of the day it was you you get targets you absolutely did like we yeah. you know, with, with us because we were part of an international story we just were responsible for the mina region the mina region had targets you were responsible for hitting yeah. your targets it's it's still you doing the day-to-day. -day. It's just, you know, might be on a little bit of a larger scale. By the way, we have seen scenarios where a company gets acquired, let's say, you know, Volt Lines or, or Spotty gets acquired, and there still needs to fund that business. Yeah. Yep. And the parent, the acquirer says, actually, we don't want to, uh, we don't have the resources or we don't want to keep on funding this growth. Yeah, and then they've come, and these are like companies that we've been involved with, and then they come and they say, hey, can we go raise capital again yeah. can we go and do it like can we talk to vcs you know hey let's go and talk to nua and see if yeah. they and i'm like no they're like <laughs> you own it now yeah. You're, if it needs that that if that company needs further funding it is not a palatable investment opportunity for some or independent anyone, yeah. vc yeah. it's just you too know, hairy right no, yeah but, but, but to the point right your capital your capital strategy yeah is very specific is very regionally specific right yeah. it wasn't like you know, Zip operates in 17 different countries. Countries. It wasn't like we could suddenly start talking to their U.S. Yeah. banks or their Australian banks, right? There's certain, there is a certain amount of support that you would yeah. get from a parent company, but for the most part, after that, you're kind of on your own. Yeah, right? you don't so, control that support. By know, the way, I owe my career to uh, a book by Andrew Grove, okay. the CEO of Intel, called Only the Paranoid Survived. That's a, my whole career, I owe it to this book. Only the what survived? Everything in the title. Only right? the paranoid survived. Mm. Huh. I mean, the other thing we're seeing on this, related to this, uh, is we're seeing a lot of also, I mean, acquisition is one thing, but you're seeing you know, investors commit to rounds, sign the final documents, and then kind of put their hands up, say, oh, I can't fund it. Yeah. And so like, happens. if you're a business, happens. it pays to be paranoid to be like that because you can like, operate like it's not closing. The money yeah, does yeah. not exist unless it's in your bank account. Yeah, Let's yeah just, exactly. Let, yeah. Like, again, I know, I know it's, I'm riding on one cliche to another, but the money <laughs> yeah. does not <laughs> exist yeah. unless it hits your bank account. That's a yeah. reality. Yeah. yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, so I was paranoid from, uh, and mind you, I'm Lebanese and Turkish. Oh, None of them are going to be paranoid all the time. Yeah. Uh, so the like ever since the deal closed, I mean we closed on the 25th. I was hunkering down. I was like, because we have a resource commitment, we got uh, the money from Swivel to run the business. Yeah. And I was like, I need to run the business as if no more money would ever come. Yeah. Right. So I was really preserving cash uh, in the in the business, yeah. and that allowed us by November when you know uh, the, the the saga as you called it played out yeah. to to say you know what give us back the business, let's buy back the equity because we did have cash in the bank yeah. that allowed us to do so. And it ends up a happy story for everyone, for you and for Swivel. Absolutely. Like for for good, Swivel, it's, uh, uh, it's a relief of, uh, yeah. of, uh, of certain uh, obligations. For us, it's a, a great asset. We, we, we got it uh, back. It's worth a lot more uh, today in the market. Um, and, you know, if, you know, and I'm pretty sure Swivel would uh, navigate this. Yeah. I would work again with that team awesome. because the team was really fantastic. By the way, there's a connection between this, this phenomenon that Khal is talking about where an investor commits 
oh, market has changed, no. circumstances have changed, can't do it anymore. And that really leaves the company in a bad situation yeah. to what you guys went through in, uh, in that it's a deal and you are navigating, it's a, corp, it's a corporate deal, yeah. right? And so the, what, and, and that leaves a certain amount of uh, uncertainty and it, it's not it's not that it, it's not that you're cashing out and riding off into the sunset it's that you're you're putting yourself into a new corporate situation yeah. and that needs to be navigated and that actually is what causes kind of like the emotional distress is that in anybody who goes through a transaction is is you're putting the asset up in play and you've got to yeah. and now yeah. all of a sudden there's all sorts of variables that you got to work with yeah. the, and and in in the, the the difference in your case is that the nature of that corporate transaction was you're so embedded into into what the new company is that you know the only way to to figure it out how to how to fix yourself is to have kind of an escape clause yeah. which i imagine both of you will have thought about okay how do i unwind this you know if there's one thing if 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 i'm just substituting a new investor coming in okay i'm i'm still going through the same consternation maybe because yeah. i'm doing a corporate deal for my company but your, yours is a lot stickier. Yours is a lot more, you know, uh, in, in, entangled. Yeah. So what was your escape clause? You know, what, how did that... Uh, there was no escape that? clause, by the way. Uh -huh. uh, there was no penalty clause. Uh, no the break whole, clause. No break. Like so the, the SPA was written in a way that it's a, it's a done deal. But there was a deferral. Um, and when, when uh, Swivel came to us to discuss, uh, you know, the situation, the situation was obvious. We knew that, uh, you know, just by looking at the market cap, uh, we, we knew that this is not going to go through. And did you have a view on the, mar on, on share price growth of the acquirer at the time that you, that the, you did the deal? The I mean, share price, I mean, it's do. a NASDAQ listed company. So their share price, we were, uh, he, meant, he means no. like forecast five yeah. years out. You're taking your, 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 yeah. your consider your future is tied to the to performance the of the stock. It's a, it's a do you play research analyst and say, let me yeah, do, of okay. Course. Yes. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing is their execution, like their strategy, the direction they were going in was, was a really sound one. Like if the Zillow acquisition went through. I mean, you saw it as a long-term thing. So it wasn't very about the share thing. price. And, you know, month. Zillow is doing a fantastic job in the UK, in our market, in B2B. Like, mind you, Vault Lines is purely B2B company. Zillow is a B2B company. Urban in Mexico, B2B. Liverpool in Argentina, B2B. So there were like dominant local players. And Tur in Turkey, for example, the market is a $1.7 billion market. Right today we're one percent market share of the Turkish market, so still a huge uplift in Turkey, a huge uplift in the UK. So there was a very good long-term play for uh, for Swivel, and I think somebody should eventually re-execute that uh, strategy because there are local players who are dominant that should yeah. eventually get uh, you know solidified, and that could be another Uber in corporate mobility, in shared mobility, etc. Because you know. Turkey, 10% market share, not very too far. In the future, it's a $172 million business, let's say, right? And then you have the same in the UK, the same in Mexico. So before you know it, you're doing a couple of billion dollars in revenue. So that's, that's a unicorn at play. So but it, it wasn't too far. Like they were not ridiculous in their execution, yeah. right? Uh, but to specifically answer the question, right? The same way that you think about your long-term forecast. Whenever you think, whenever you do a startup, you always think about, okay, five years, this is what my revenue, this is my forecast, this is the exit multiple, discounted back, you know, you do all of that. When you switch into uh, an acquisition, you do go through the same exercise. You're just part of a, of a larger, uh, larger organization. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, I, I would, I mean, prior to starting up Spotty, I used to be a hedge fund portfolio manager. Uh, I, I, I think a finance, a sound finance background, or at least having an understanding of finance background is incredible, or having someone who you can rely upon that has a finance background is incredibly important as you're going through that transition. Because mm -hmm. this is, you do need to know this one thing about a sound strategy. It's great. It's, you know, the, everyone wants to take up the world, but then you also do need to know, okay, right, what, what does it translate into, into numbers, right? Yeah. Just a practical question. Did you have advisors? Did you have M&A advisors that worked with you when the transactions happened? We didn't have M&A advisors in our case, but we have a fantastic board, very well experienced. Uh, MAVP is on our board. Dubai Angel Investors is on our board. So, like, really, you know, um, experienced. Hands-on. Yeah. Very hands-on, yeah. very experienced. Uh, so, they did add some clauses and some conditions in the SPA that protected the cap market cap of vault lines. And this is where the market cap of vault lines was very yeah. sticky. Uh, and this is where uh, we were able to basically buy back the company. But there is a point we to add break, break clauses. Yeah. Always add the break clause, I think. Um, yeah, because it also demonstrates seriousness in the transaction. Yeah, yeah. A break fee is always essential. But yeah. we, we actually, so we didn't because my co-founder and I, both of us come from finance backgrounds. She was in private equity in the region. I was... Uh, in uh, in hedge funds in the U.S. Yeah. So we, but but yes, a break fee, hundred percent. But even then, you always need to have what I call like a get out of. If, yeah. If stuff hits if the X, fan, Y, Z, yeah. You know, uh, uh, like a no fault divorce type of. Thing, yeah, it's just like you yeah. always have to think about the worst case scenario because uh, this is, by the way, something that I would strongly urge anyone who goes through this. Always think think about the worst case scenario. It's no. always great to talk about the best case. That's easy. Always, always thinks about the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is literally what happens if suddenly the person who is acquiring me is bankrupt. What then? Right? Like yeah. either if it's during the process or it's during the time I'm committed to them, what then? Yeah. Right? So there's a material change. But the, yeah. The we thing were, is, the thing is, uh, sorry to cross you there, but you know, like, it really depends on your negotiation power during the. Uh, you know the acquisition no, sure, negotiation, yeah. right? I mean, like, there is a didn't have that. To be very honest, I, I, I certainly look at the. Like, we were not in a strong position. I, I would also say, you always ask. You yeah. always ask. Yeah. The worst they can say yeah, is absolutely. no. Yeah. The yeah. worst they, can, I, I, I do not think it's a, it's a negotiating power thing. I think you always ask because I think it's a prudent thing to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you ask for ten things, they might give you one, depending upon your negotiating power. But you always ask. We actually did have that. So we were able to get uh, the IP and the tech still attached to the co-founders okay. in the event that anything That's awesome. bad were to happen. Because you always, and you know, you never think about these scenarios during the time because it's yeah. all like, yes, happy days. Like this is, this is a company. But you, you, I, I, my, my one piece of advice for anyone who's going through this, yeah. always think about the worst case scenario, yeah. ask. And it's the stuff worst thing they can say is no. Say only only the pessimists more. survive. Only the paranoid survive. Yeah. Only the paranoid, <laughs> paranoid survive. <laughs> Only the paranoid I, survive. I think that's a, a really good note to end on. I think we're out of time. So I think the leaving idea is only the paranoid survive. <laughs> ask, for, ask for everything and see what happens and expect the worst and uh, go from there. So thank you, everybody. Thank you to our panelists. Thank, thank you, you very much for sharing thank with you. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Angami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.